And uh, as I was thinking about this, I've been looking at the book of Acts because the book of Acts tells an entirely different kind of story. And you'll recall that a few weeks ago I did a sermon uh, because someone had really, you know, jacked up the book of Acts on us and I felt I needed to set the record straight, at least from our point of view. And so this has caused me to really want to look into the book of Acts and discover again what God's kingdom might really look like if the people of God, you know, kind of got their act together. And uh, forgive me for painting a you know, somewhat negative picture, of, but I think it's, it's, it's unfortunately a true picture. And I think generally it's because, you know, the, the body of Messiah has aligned itself with temporal power. And it should be completely separated from that temporal power in every way. It should be counter-cultural, subversive, undermining of the dominant culture. And I think we might all agree with the, the fact that our dominant culture is, does not align with biblical value. So what can we do? What can we do to make a difference right here in our own community, in the communities where we live, where we work, those kinds of things? So I thought we might look today at chapter 3 of the book of Acts. That's where I'm going to be looking. A particular incident that occurred there. And hopefully we might discover some things for ourselves that might make a difference, not only in our own personal lives, but in the lives of those, those around us. So what can we do to demonstrate in real terms, the reality of God's kingdom in this world. So that a, a world living in darkness can be drawn to the light. So I'm going to suggest a couple of things if I can make this thing work. The first thing is, there's a, a, there was a community of faithful people who by their very lives are a testimony of the power of God. In other words, if we're living like people who live the resurrection life, maybe, just maybe, others will be drawn to that without us having to go around with picket signs and all the other things. That the testimony will be the very lives that we live. You remember that in Acts 2, 40, uh, chapter 2, 46 and 47, the very end of chapter 2, I think I had that, it says that Day by day they were continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was, and the Lord, not them, but the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. So there are certain things that are happening in those, two, in those two verses that we need to focus on if we're going to be people who live as part of the kingdom, who really and truly understand kingdom principles and make every effort in our lives to live by them. So let's see what they are. Let's, let's look at them together. So the first one 
is one mind. One mind. You know, <laughs> so let me give you, let me give you a, a factoid that'll blow, that if you haven't heard it before, it will blow your mind. So there are, according to some, 35,000 different denominations of people who are believers in Messiah Yeshua in the world. 35,000. That's absurd. How can we possibly be of one mind when we divide on probably what can only what I can only imagine are the most minuscule of principles, the minuscule of theological opinion? I have a theological opinion, so let me just set my you know set up my own shop. That's not one mind. And you know what? It's okay to have variance, you know? We're Messianic Jews here. I want to live as a Jewish believer in Messiah Yeshua. I don't expect every Gentile person in the world to do that. I don't care. You know, it's not necessary. However, that should not divide us. That's not a point of division. We should be united in those things that matter most. What are they? We say it every weekend as part of our Shema. One faith, one Lord, one God and Father, one immersion. Only one. And if we can unite on those things, then eh, if we have a few, you know, you want to say potato and I want to say potato, that's fine. You want to eat shrimp and I'm not going to? Eh, knock yourself out. When will we decide that we can be of one mind? These, this group was of one mind. They were all together. Now, maybe it was easier for them. After all, they were all Jews. They were all living in Jerusalem at the time. Everybody was right there. And I suppose it is easier when all of those things are true. But when you have a diverse community and you live, we all live in different parts of the state and we're all trying to come together, how can we do it? We do it by remembering who is at the center of our faith, our King Messiah, and no other. If we can do that, we can be of one mind. Here's another one, gladness. With gladness, they were doing all of these things. They were happy to be there. You know, I mean, I've, I'm convinced that happiness, that gladness, happiness, those things, they're a choice that we make. It's not something that happens to us. It's something we do. We, a choice we make. You know, to be here, to be with God should be a privilege and a choice that we make for happiness sake, for our own happiness sake. And we could choose to wallow in our misery. We can choose to allow our circumstances to overwhelm us. We can choose to allow others to dictate how we feel. We could do that. But we could also choose gladness. And it was with gladness that they did. And if we live in that place of joy, of recognizing the joy of the Lord as much as is possible in this world, Will that not spill over to those who have no joy? I think it will. You have a positive attitude. I, you know, I love positivity, don't you? I hate negativity, I really do. 
You know, with all the negativity going on in our country, you know what I decided to do? You remember, I always used to tell you, I, every morning I get up and I read the New York Times. I do not do that anymore. Amen. But it's not because I'm listening to Fox News either. Okay? No, no. I have decided that since most of the news is bad news, I don't want to hear it. And since the Yankees are doing so well, I'll just, I'll just turn right to the sports section. Because they're, you know... They're making me happy. <laughs> Let's hope it continues into the football season. <laughs> but, why, but joy, again, is a choice to be glad, to not absorb negativity. Listen, we have a positive message. And that's how we, we should live in that positivity. They go on, it says... With sincerity of heart. Boy, I, w I would like to talk for 25 minutes or so on this one subject. Of being sincere about those things that you believe. About being serious. Now, we just went from joy, but serious is not the opposite of joy. It's being committed. Sincerity of heart. They were... They had seen the Messiah, and they knew what they, what, they, what they had seen. And that sincerity came forward in them. The enthusiasm, the joy. Hey, brother, you need to hear what I have to say. Are you unhappy? You know, I was sitting somewhere yesterday, and I picked up a Time magazine. Shouldn't have done that one either. Uh, but the whole episode, the entire magazine was was devoted to the opioid epidemic in America. And I read three or four of the articles that had profiles. It was about profiles of people, ordinary people, people like the folks in this room who went down a wrong path and got themselves hooked on drugs. Maybe it's because they had a car accident and the car accident led to one, you know, they're taking opioids and, and they started and it got out of control. Ordinary people, and every one of them, this thing, I just want to say, brothers and sisters, there is a hope in this world beyond your disease. If we could only offer it, if you could only hear it, and if with sincerity we could bring this message to a world that's, my gosh, in so desperate need of a positive message. It was, and it was with that sincerity of heart that day by day that we're continuing. One mind, gladness and sincerity. And then it goes on to say, and doing what? Praising God. Because out of God lives in the praises of his people, the Psalms say. And, he, and his power comes forth in praise. So think about it. Even in your own life, when, you're not, when things are not well, when things aren't going your way, what's the answer? Praise the Lord. Stop what you're doing and praise God. I have a friend who's, you know, some of you know her, but she's, uh, the other day we were talking about this and I said, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get a bunch of psalms that really resonate for you. 
when you're feeling not when you're not feeling well. Get these psalms and read them over and over. In fact, record them for yourself and listen to them again and again and again. What she's doing, right? Painting them on the on the canvases and making making a difference because that's the power of praise. And sometimes we don't even think about it. We don't think about it. We just think, oh well, you know, like we, when we do our liturgy, and you know, I've, some of you have complained from time to time. Oh, gee, why do we have to say those? It doesn't matter. That's just a medium. It's what's going on in my heart that is the praise of the Lord, not necessarily the words that are that, that, that come out of my lips. Praising the Lord. And it says that God was adding to their number day by See, God was doing it because of the way they operated within, with, with, within themselves. Going to the temple, gladness, sincerity, one mind, praising the Lord. And God said, you know what? This is what I'm looking for. So let me get other people. I'll bring them. I'll bring them. So we need to be a community. Oh, the whole body needs to be this just giant song of praise to the Lord. Without all the bickering, without all of the complaining, without all the, you know, listen, everybody's a heretic as far as I'm concerned, including me. Only Messiah Yeshua has the whole story, and he'll give it to us when he gets back. Until then, we're all guessing, except about this, that he is the center of all things. If we can agree on that, I think we're in good shape. Secondly, when we move in the power, when we move in the power of God, when we walk in the power of the kingdom, the opportunity for a miracle presents itself. See, we don't need to manufacture moments when things are going to happen. That'll happen in God's good time. But here's what the pattern of the book of Acts show demonstrates to me. That as we do these things, as we follow the Lord, as we preach the good news, stuff happens. Stuff just happens. So here in this story, you'll see it says in chapter 3 of the book of Acts, uh, it says, here, it says, but Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him. Now remember, there was a man, you'll remember this, there was a man who was a cripple. And he would go, and his buddies, amazingly, his buddies would bring him to the beautiful gate at the temple every day. This was his job. He went, to the, he went there, to, sat at the beautiful gate to beg alms. As people walked into the temple area, you know, and give him a few, a few coins here and there. And this is how he made his living. So it says that one day Peter and John were there at the hour of prayer because it, it just told us the other day, day by day, where they were continuing in the temple. So worshiping at the temple at the hour of prayer, Peter and John come along and they see him there. And why wouldn't they? They probably knew, they'd probably seen him there 50 times. You see? How often did they use the beautiful gate? They probably used it many times. And yet this day, 
God had an, a divine appointment. God had a divine appointment. What would have stopped them from the day before or the week before when they know they see this guy there every day? This is not like something new. God had a divine appointment for them, all three of them. So it says with one mind, I'm sorry, but they, it says now, but Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him, and they said, look at us, because he had to beg them for alms. He said, look at us. Look at us. Are we prepared to have the world look at us and see something positive? Are we living in our own lives with that same resurrection power with which we were born again? So that when people look at us, they see something, something else, something different. I wonder, whether they just see the same old thing that they look at, see when they look in the mirror? They say, look at us. He began to give them his attention. Okay, maybe they're going to give me something. He says, but no, Peter said to him, I don't possess silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. And in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Nazarene, walk. I want you to notice something about this, this little demonstration of power. Okay? There was no elaborate setup. There was no gigantic prayer service going on. In fact, we don't even know precisely who overheard anything. All we know is that God had created an appointment. God had created an appointment for all three of these men. Nope, no, no, no elaborate thing, no hocus pocus. In the name of Yeshua, get up and walk away. That's the power of the Spirit, working in them at his appointed time. Listen, I want a miracle every time I pray. And I pray every single day for people to be healed. And it doesn't happen most of the time. I don't, it's, I don't consider it a failure. I just consider it, hey, it's my job to pray for the sick, lay hands on them when I can. But I have an expectation every single time I do it. Every single time. And one day, it'll be God's appointed time. So we keep doing it. That's what, we're, that's what we're supposed to do. To live in the power of hope. Not, I'm not a charlatan. I'm not some guy who's trying to, you know, stir it all up with, you know, crazy prayer, uh, you know, meetings and stuff like that, revival and all of this stuff. I expect the power of God to be there wherever we go. And in his appointed time, he will do what is necessary. And God had made this a specific time. So get up and walk. You know, let me just say something. <laughs> I want to I show you a, a definition of the word miracle. I always love going into the dictionary and looking up words, you know, because it really it tells us something interesting if you, if you really examine it, right? So here's the definition of miracle from, from Webster's Dictionary. 
So it says, an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. Now, if you're not a believer and you read this definition, you say, okay, so that never happens. But here's what I hear as a believer in Messiah Yeshua. This is our natural condition. This is our natural condition. Not supernatural. It is the nature in which we are expected to walk day by day. If we'll believe, you see, listen, the whole world, I, you know, I, I love science because science, <coughs> science is this silly thing that's put itself in a box that it will never be able to extricate itself from because it is limited to human ability to measure. And that which it cannot measure does not exist. It does not have reality. So it is no wonder that they cannot see that the miraculous. Can't see it. And I feel sorry for them. But for us, we need to walk in this day by day by day. To recognize the reality of beyond. There is more in heaven and earth than is dreamt of in your philosophy, Horatio. And there certainly is. And that is our reality. So let's walk in the miraculous, because when we walk in the miraculous, miracles happen. They just do. When, God's, when it is God's appointed time, and that's not, that's not me making an excuse for why my prayers don't work, because they don't work that way. God is the one who appoints life and death, not me. My job, your job, our job, is to walk in faith and pray. So, so, from that, from that power of resurrection life comes our power to be a witness in the world. Yeah, what, what, you know, what are, what are we witnesses of? What's in it? What, what is a witness? Someone who gives testimony of something that they know. Not that they believe, because nobody cares what you believe, you know. If you were in a court of law, no one would care what you believe, really. They would care what you know. What can you demonstrate? What can you, what's provable, right? So as witnesses, why do you think, listen, why do you think it was necessary for an apostle to have to have been an eyewitness to Yeshua's resurrection? So he could say, I know that the Messiah was raised from the dead. I know because I was with him. That's why anybody who tells you they're an apostle, let them, you know, chill out. Number one, you didn't see it. Number two, you'd be dead if you did. We're all just workers in the kingdom. So what is our witness? Our witness is our very lives. That we do walk in joy, with enthusiasm, praising the Lord, with miracles following us because of the risen one. That's our witness. If, we, if we're a demonstration of that, man, don't worry. You know, then the world will not contain us.
That's what we have to do, but we have to have faith. We have to walk in it. We have to trust it. That means getting up and doing. Doesn't just mean believing something. You know. So, look what happens here. So, later, it says, and all the people saw him walking. They saw this guy walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit there. This is that guy. This is that dude. He, he, how, this is impossible, unless, of course, he was faking it all the time. No, but we know better. He's been there for a long time. And it says, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You know, do you think that the world is filled with wonder and amazement about the people of God? About, about Messiah Yeshua's people? Sad to say, I don't think so. Now maybe it's their blindness because they just don't want to. But maybe it's because we're not really doing it. We've shaped ourselves too much like the world. We operate like just, you know, another consumer group. We, have the, we share the same values in the long term. When I told you at the very beginning that the people of God are sub subversive, overturning things. This is what Messiah Yeshua did. Why do you think that they had to get rid of him? He was going to overturn the world. And eventually what happened with this group was they did overturn the world of their day. A world which was much more uh, whacked out maybe even than our own. Ah, maybe not. Hard to say. But they were, the people were filled with wonder and amazement at what was happening. They didn't sit there and say, oh, they, oh, they set it up. It was some kind of joke. That guy is not really the dude. Filled with wonder and amazement at the power demonstrated through the Messiah Yeshua, and through these men, by virtue of the Messiah Yeshua. So this is what we can offer a world that's suffering and longing for redemption. If we are the redeemed, if we're redeemed, if we look into the life of, of, of people around us, say, I can help you from that, from that place. I can give you a hand, I can pray for you. But more than that, I can show you. Be an example. Who was it? Who was it? Um, I think it was um, Mark Twain who said, uh, being an example is a very inconvenient thing. Very inconvenient. Finally, in the moment of opportunity, we can stand with courage and conviction for the gospel of Messiah Yeshua to the Jew first and also to the nation so that we can be instruments of times of refreshing for all the people. So later on in that chapter, you'll recall that this, this healing created such a ruckus that the leadership of Jerusalem got involved, you know, and they were like, oh man, you know, this is, this is going to cause trouble. This guy, these are disciples of that 
that dude that they said was resurrected and and now they're healing people in public. This is tough. What are we going to do about this? And they, of course, they drag him in front of the Sanhedrin or the courts or whatever it was. And in that moment, Peter and John have an opportunity, an opportunity for testimony to all of the people. Because how could anyone deny what had happened when so many had seen it? When people see us publicly doing what we do, standing for the truth, then denial becomes all the more difficult. And it ought to result in our ability to stand up courageously for the sake of the good news to all of our people. In Acts chapter 3, later on in the chapter, verse 19 and following, I have that up there, Peter stands up before all of those people and leadership and the leadership of the community. And he says, therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send Messiah Yeshua appointed for you. You see, Messiah Yeshua is appointed for the world. And the world is in desperate need of times of refreshing. Oh, how we need a breath of fresh air in the world today. So much chaos, so much worry, so much woe. What can we do? The body of Messiah ought to be that shining city on a hill that, to which all the nations of the earth are drawn. Not, not waiting for the world to come to make it happen, but now. So let it go forth from this place, from your heart, wherever you can spread it, that we need to be the light of the world, a refreshing wind that blows through the world. If we do, I think we can change things. So let's begin. Lord God, we pray for the power the power of your resurrection in Messiah Yeshua, which is indeed the light of the world, the hope of the world. Help us learn how to live like that every single day. I know it can be hard. I pray for us, Lord God, because we're just human beings and we have stuff. Sickness, economic woes, personal difficulties, tragedy. All of these things are the normal course of life. But Lord, the resurrection is more powerful than all of them. Because when our Messiah returns, he will rectify every situation. Set all things right. And make all things tov ma'od again. We wait for that day, Lord God. Give us the power to be that light while we can. We ask in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Congregation, they were all praising God, so let's praise him. Why don't you stand with me?